Live from the 607 is the ODPH Entertainment Edition, where we're talking movies, comics, TV, and more. Why don't you join in the conversation? Hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I'm your host, Kenem. Joining me in studio, as always, it's Padawan Jay. Hello there. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of entertainment, so make sure to join in the conversation on social media. You can find all the links to the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour's social media accounts on OchoDuroParlayHour.com. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit up, hit us up on Instagram. Make sure to get involved and always use the hashtag ODPH because we definitely want to interact with you. Mm-hmm. A lot to discuss this week, but I want to kick off the show talking about, dare I say, one of the most heart-wrenching issues we've read in a while. Mm-hmm. House of X number four. Holy cow. We've been covering the series, the Jonathan Hickman reboot of the X-Men line. Yep. And dare I say, every issue has just been another, you know, punch in the gut, so to speak, another yeah. mind blowing yeah. reveal. Yeah. And this one has been the first time it's really felt like a, a genuine X-Men comic. Right. And as any comic book fan, especially those of you who've read the X-Men comics for a number of years, you know, not even just recently, you will know. Uh, if there's any one comic series in existence, DC, Image, Marvel, IDW, Dark Horse, if there's any one comic series that is not afraid to kill off characters at any given time, no matter their importance to the overall story, X-Men's probably up there. X-Men is in the discussion. Yeah. Walking Dead, I think, was yeah. at the time yeah. number one because they used to just go off the rails and do crazy stuff like that, which it worked. Oh, yeah. And in this sense, though, we knew the stakes were very high. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. to give a quick recap of what's been going on, the whole reboot is tied into Moria McTaggart's revelation that she is a mutant. Yep. And is reliving her life with her memories from the womb right to her death. Yep. Every time. And she is now taken up the cause of trying to save mutant kind. And dare I say, resetting the timeline each time Mm -hmm. that she's doing it. And at this stage, she is on her 10th life. And due to some previous revelations, she knows that she has one left as she plays her cards right with this one. Mm -hmm. So now she has reunited Xavier and Magneto and everybody's on the same page. And it's a whole different feel to the books. A lot of questions that we are still trying to piece together. And I'm still not sure that that's Xavier underneath the helmet. As we've seen, he's walking around with a cerebral-like helmet. And this issue, though, he has sent Cyclops and a team of X-Men to stop Orcus, who has been the scientist group that is bringing back the Sentinel program and the Master Mold, which eventually leads to Nimrod mm-hmm. and the devastation of mutant kind. So obviously the stakes have never been higher thus far in the timeline that has currently been reset. Right? Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, uh, You are correct. So that being said, this has been a most action issue that we've seen thus far. Yeah. That you see from point A to point B, what has gone on? Xavier knew that basically he was sending the team on a suicide mission, and it turns out that, unfortunately, it appears that he was right. Yeah. And as the issue opens up, he's staying back at Kuroka and getting a psychic link with Jean Grey and finding out what is going on. And the team is going in. Archangel and Husk, as we find out, have been killed off in the action. Mm-hmm. And that's just a start. Yeah. Because as you see, they're on the space station, and everything is just falling apart. Like the best laid plan that they've gotten on is now going off the tracks. Yes. 
And as they're progressing forward, you're seeing Jean Grey is just basically just outlined. There's no way to sugarcoat it. It is bad. Mm-hmm. And it is not looking like we're going to be able to make this out and under any shape or form. And the, and this is, we got to remember, is a crew that, like, they're seasoned. Like, they've been around the block. They've been through some stuff. So for them to turn around and go, yeah, this is bad. Like, it's almost like if you send in, like, you, you know, a, the Navy SEAL team or something like that, and they go, yeah, this isn't good. Like, if a Navy SEAL team goes, yeah, this isn't good, you know you're in trouble. Well, the wild thing about this for me is these are characters that we've grown up with. If you've mm-hmm. been reading the X-Men, even dating back to the cartoon, yeah, it's very well-known names. It's not like characters that you're not attached to. Right. Because as you see, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, a.k.a. Jean Grey, Archangel, Wolverine, Nightcrawler. Yeah. You've seen names that are very synonymous with the X-Men in the history. And just to see them falling apart at the seams here because they know the stakes that are happening. Mm-hmm. And they're trying their damnedest to succeed on the mission. And everybody kind of sees that it's not going the way it, that it should be going. No. And they know that there is a strong chance they're not making it back. Right. And at this stage, too, you see M, who... I do like that Hickman has kind of really mixed up this team lineup for this book, too, mm-hmm. because M and Husk, if you're not familiar with, debuted in the Generation X book, which right. was kind of the sequel to New Mutants, which in the 90s, it was a very different feel to the book. And I do love it because they demonstrated that not every character ha- had nice, pretty you know looks to him, like Chamber is one, for example, mm-hmm. who was missing half his chest and yeah. visually was one of the most impressive characters going. And at this stage, too, all these characters that were on Generation X definitely we're growing up to be the next generation of mutants and definitely not your typical X-Men feel no, to the team. No, So obviously seeing M get involved in the progression of her character, and she is basically sacrificing herself to save Jean Grey in this issue. Mm-hmm. And Jean is just like screaming like, no, we, you know, come with me and save, you know, definitely we have to regroup. And she's like, no, and she's like, you need to stay to the mission, yeah. stay connected to Xavier. And she basically sacrifices herself to protect Jean. On the flip side, you have Wolverine and Nightcrawler on one end of the station because they have to s- separate the Master Sentinel head, yep. which is going to eventually become Master Mold, from four corners. So you mm-hmm. have the team separated with Archangel and Husk obviously falling to the wayside on one side. Cyclops is on one end. You have Wolverine and Nightcrawler now separated going in, and Mystique is also on this team. Yep. So like I said, they're going with the heavy hitters, and it was definitely kind of cool to see this almost like you said, Navy SEAL, Metal Gear, yeah. solid-type feel to yeah. the team as they're going through because... Ain't no slouches in this group. No, definitely not. And as they're progressing, the scientists of Orchids, though, have been prepared. Yeah. And they're definitely going, you know, we underestimated them, but we are finding a way to salvage a victory on this. Right. I mean, it, it's like you see in movies and TV shows. You know, you got the, you got the villainous organization that, you know, they got a plan. They got an endgame that they want to get to. But they also prepare for the, you know, the unknown, the what if somebody attacks? What if somebody does this? You know, the backup on top of the backup on top of the backup. Yes. So at this point, the only one that survived is Jean Grey because now she's an yeah. escape pod. Everybody else is falling to the wayside of Orcus because they were fully prepared for an attack. But the, obviously, how the X-Men snuck on the spaceship was a different story. Mm-hmm. And at this point, though, they've like I said, they severed three of the connecting cords to the head because the mission is to separate the head and push it into the sun yep comics folks but it's beautifully done and at this stage though one of the scientists detonates the ship that is the x-men ship Mm -hmm. to get home so they all know that they are trapped here and losing badly right because once the ship is detonated they're all trapped on there like unless they get to an escape pod and are able to get off that way 
you know, you, I think it's once they detach two of the, the arms onto this thing, that's when it starts losing. I forget the term for it. There's a scientific term where they start like losing acceleration and, and descending on onto the sun. They get, get end up getting pulled in by the gravity. But like, unless you can get to one of the escape pods, you're getting dragged into the sun with this thing. Right. So at this stage, though, like I said, the team is doing what they can. Mystique is sacrificing herself to, mm-hmm. to sever one of the cords. She is now sucked into the space vacuum. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily she sacrificed herself as, you know, they were the, just she was the first one to kind of get caught. Well, either way, she definitely bought time for the team. Yeah. Because the scientists you know, are still going through and they're still trying to find a way to stop the X-Men at this stage. And Xavier can do nothing but watch back from Kuroka and just see everything is falling apart. But he's trying to be so stoic during this whole thing. And I love how Hickman is writing him in this issue because he's basically sensing that he's losing the people that he cares about because he does care about the the X-Men team. But he's still staying so, you know, focused on the mission too because you can even see him at one point when he's looking through that weird – watery telepathic link machine. Like, right. I don't know how you want to describe it other than like a pool that pops I think, up. I think it was something that like, cause there was a, there was a, a link set between him storm. And who was the other one? There was, I believe it was Emma Frost and Emma Frost where I think storm is the one who conjures, uh, the head looking thing. And because eventually that water looking head turns into Gene at one point, if I'm not mistaken. Right. You can see Gene's uh, psychic link appear as like a watery figure. Yeah. I mean, it's a very cool visual to see it. Yeah. But as you're seeing, though, Xavier is still talking to Gene and he is saying he's like, dude, do whatever it takes. Yeah. And you can sense the gravity because, I mean, he was stuttering with his voice. And at this point, too, Gene is watching from the outside and she is still the link to everybody that's still in the, the mm-hmm. space station. And Cyclops is fighting his way to get through on his end. Yeah. But the moment of this, and like I said, the heart punch, gut kick, whatever you want to define it is, the moment of this issue is when Wolverine and Nightcrawler are are reconnected. Yep. And it seems like they have the only one link left to sever. Yep. And Wolverine has this weird, like, moment of pause. Mm -hmm. And he even says, too, he's like, so I got to ask. Is, you still think there's something waiting for me on the other side? Yeah. And Nightcrawler, who has always been a very religious character, is like, yeah. are you worried about your soul? And Wolverine just goes, just wondering, you know, just, what should someone like me expect? Right. And Nightcrawler hits him with the line. And I love how Hickman wrote this. When you wake up from this earthly slumber, my friend, look for me. I'll be waiting for you on the other side with radiant and open arms. I mean, I, 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 it's a beautiful moment, like you said, and it's beautifully written. You know, I think it's just one of those moments where, you know, Wolverine's been around a long time. He's seen some stuff. I think he finally has hit that point where he knows it's the end. Like, even if even if they were able to successfully detach this final arm and drop the thing into the sun, they're likely not going to get out of there. They're like this, the Sentinel army or whatever it is that's, you know, circling around the sun, approaching from the moon or wherever it is 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 like minutes out like they're real close and he knows all right listen in his head he's got to be going all right even if we detach this thing we're inside of five minutes from getting vaporized anyway just the simple fact that he took that moment to pause yeah and basically accept that he is going to die yeah in this mission spoke more volumes than anything yeah because for wolverine and say what you will because he has been put through the ringer and then some Mm -hmm. throughout his comic book history yeah you could go back through issues and you can see some of the wildest scenarios where he has somehow survived yeah. 
to see him have this moment, and obviously with the friendship that he's always had with Nightcrawler, and just to have that moment in that exchange, and then it's basically their final goodbyes to each other. That was like, oh, sh- yeah, wow, yeah. To me, for obviously, I mean, I grew up on X Men comics. For me, this was like, holy, they're man, not messing around. This is like, what is going on here? Because at this stage, we don't really know what this is going to happen because obviously right. the heroes are losing this battle. And as you see, Wolverine is teleported by Nightcrawler onto the open space. Yeah. And he's, they're all disintegrating in space. Right. Yeah. He, he's taking the full brunt of the sun's energy and whatever else is hitting him. And it's disintegrating his body around him. And his mutant healing factor is trying as best as it can to heal him. But it's, it's just not enough. No, it's not enough. But as he's going away and, and just tearing into the last arm that's holding the head together, the Sentinel is still talking to him. And Wolverine is just finishing the mission. And it's just kind of like, this is it. And you just see Wolverine just fall into space, and so the head goes right into the sun, so they have succeeded. And to even see Cyclops pay his respect to, because they've always had this animosity towards each other. They've butted heads. But you know what? At the end of the day, they are teammates. Yeah, there's respect. There is the respect there. And you just see Cyclops just go, he's the bravest man I know. Yeah. And obviously he is telling Gene, hey, we succeeded, it's done. And as he's trying to escape, Cyclops is killed. In the process. Yep. So now it's what's going to happen from here. Nobody really knows because the the future is very uncertain at this stage because everybody thinks they succeeded, but it doesn't look that way. It looks like Orcus had a backup plan for this at all. And the final shot of the book is Xavier crying. Yeah, and and, and Jean's fate is even left up in the air too. Yeah, because right now she's in space, but obviously with Orcus is still having their armies go at them because i mean this entire time they've had soldiers right and army right going after the x-men right. so they've been outnumbered no matter what we'll say because the last shot we see of gene is her panicking looking up at a sentinel who it looks like you know they're lighting something up to fire down on her and she's freaking the heck out yeah because she knows she's trapped there's nothing she can do and as the sentinel army is coming after her she can't do anything right so we lost what uh wolverine nightcrawler cyclops uh, Jean Grey, Jean Grey, Archangel, Husk, and M. Yeah, which, oof. And Ow. right now, we don't know what the fate is. Obviously, it's comics. Yeah. So we know they're going to somehow come back. Eventually. Eventually is the question. But how they're writing this, I mean, for the moment, reading is like, wait, you just killed off. Yeah. Who? Yeah. I mean, we knew the stakes were going to be high for, for this whole series because when you bring Jonathan Hickman on, it's going to be a long, drawn-out drama. We know this. This is why we read the books. But where he went with this, like I said, this is the most traditional X-Men book we've read in a while, Under the Rain. Yeah. Now where they're going to go with this, because next week is Powers. Yep. So we're not going to really have kind of a a follow-up per se. Right. But as they have in every book, there's a reading guide to Mm -hmm. House and Powers of Ten. I got to remember it's Powers of Ten, not Powers of X. House of X, number five, is highlighted in red. Hmm. I don't know the symbolism of that. Hmm. I am assuming it's going to be a big revelation because House Possibly. of X 2 is highlighted in red, yeah. and that's when Moria McTaggart decided to have the mic drop moment. Yeah. But overall, where they're going with this, and especially they're only a couple weeks away from the massive relaunch mm-hmm. of the X-Men line. Pad, 
what is your thoughts now after this issue? Well, just before I get to my thoughts, I do have the uh, preview blurb pulled up on Marvel.com for Powers of X issue number four, which is out this week as we record. Uh, quote, as Cerebro does what it was intended to do, Sin- Sinister does what Sinister does best, and the future comes to an end. Superstar writer Jonathan Hickman continues his reshaping of X-Men history alongside breakout artist R.B. Silva. The future of the X-Men begins here. Uh, close quote. I have no idea where this issue is going to go. I know it's at the comic shop and we're running there after the show to pick it up yep. and take a read. We'll say Sinister's involved, it, boy. Well, Sinister has always been tagged in because, I mean, he is the one who betrays mutant kind, allegedly. Yeah. yeah, according to the timeline. According to the timeline, which is still unfolding. I mean, this is yeah. one area that... I know we talk about time travel as just being a very messy situation, no matter how you want to define it. I'll say time travel is messy enough, but then you start dealing with, you know, wash, rinse, repeat timeline, like, you know, the same period of time just over and over and over again. Yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see where this is all reset, because technically, if I'm understanding this right, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I know hashtag ODPH. Okay. The timeline has been completely reset. So when the new books come out, it's all new teams. It's all new everything. Yeah. So what's to say this is going to stay put? What's to say it's not? And especially the one thing, too, is at the beginning of House of X1, we saw Xavier looked like he was hatching mutants. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's how he's replacing the mutants. Could be. That's There's so many questions now coming in from this. Yeah, no, but just to get to my thoughts, a wild issue, absolutely bananas issue that... I couldn't believe what I was... I had to read it twice. I couldn't believe that they killed off those heavy hitters that, like... Cyclops was always my favorite from a kid from the cartoon that, like, he's the leader. He's got... He shoots He shoots lasers out of his eyes. I mm-hmm. mean, come on. How can... You know, 10-year-old kid, how can you not love that? You know, just but then you just... Wolverine and, and Gene and, and Nightcrawler and everybody else that, like... Like you said, it's not the B-list or C-list guys like, oh, I know the name, but I'm not exactly emotionally attached to these characters. It's it's the characters that we saw on the big screen. We we saw on our TVs. We've seen in video games. We've seen in in various adaptations over the years that, like, there's a longstanding, like, emotional attachment to that, like, you know, the issue I picked up was has the it, uh, Jim Lee style look to it that like you look at that. And if you see something done by an artist that is in the Jim Lee style with those those white or, or excuse me, those yellow and blue costumes, there's something in you that goes, oh, that just looks right to me. Yeah. That, that like to see those those heavy hitters, those those original lineup guys go down. It's like, oh, man. Yeah, no, I fully agree. When I saw the cover that you showed it and, and it borrows from the Jim Lee esque. Uh, black or blue and gold team yeah uh uniforms which i love yeah. this is so classic watching this is just reading this issue is just like what is yeah the end game going to be for this because i don't know i mean I'm, I'm trying to come up with good theories about it and obviously i'm thinking this is how xavier is like hatching those mutants again and he's like come to me my x-men something weird like that because to kill off that many characters yeah and we already know they come back yeah they're all in the promo art for the new books coming out yep so obviously something is going to happen to bring him back, but I just say no, my guess is nothing good is going to happen because this isn't the the Xavier in this storyline isn't the Xavier we're used to from previous iterations where he's the do right, don't harm humans, don't do this, don't do that, you know, Boy Scout do what do what is right type thing. He's not afraid to do what needs to be done to help save mutant kind. I would hate to be the folks in charge of this or responsible for this. He's going to come down on him like Thor's hammer. Yeah, absolutely. Xavier is going to retaliate very heavily Hard. against Orcus. 
and whoever else is connected with it. Because, I mean, this is just one of those situations where we have a whole new Xavier we're not used to. Yeah. And we don't have a good idea where he's going. But I will tell you this. This is my number one pick to grab at the comic shops every Mine too. week. Mine too. Every week right now. And this is saying a lot because there's so many quality books out right now. Yeah. But this is like my go-to, like I, the first it, issue I grab. I'll say I run to our lo- uh, local comic shop in our area, and, and I'm not always able to get uh, the issue when it first comes out. Life just gets in the way. I wasn't able to get this issue until Saturday. Uh, I got down to the comic shop on Saturday. The issue I picked up was the second to last one they had on Saturday, which yeah. is that which is just outrageous, and you don't really see it a lot anymore. No, especially for series to have a big impact and especially when you go to any comic shop and you're talking to the fans in there uh-huh like i've talked to justin at sgr shout out to him and we've gone into like very long discussions about yeah. this book it has that effect like you're just talking and just everybody's trying to figure out what's going on and just everybody is just in admiration of hickman's work in this mm-hmm. which i thought it was going to be good i didn't think it was going to be as over complex and over the top in this situation just right to reset the timeline and just just completely streamline everything to where they're going to go with it? I mean, who knows? For all I know, those covers could be fake that are coming out for Dawn of X. That, yeah. that panel at New York Comic Con is now a must-go-to. Uh, I'd say so, yeah. So definitely have to check that out when it comes up in October. But for right now, though, got to go down to your comic shop and pick up the issues. Mm-hmm. House of X and Powers of 10. But definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts on the series so far? What's your thoughts on this issue? Me, I thought it was great. And, man, that whole scene between Wolverine and Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Hickman, well done. my Well done, sir. Well done. But definitely let me know what you thought of the issues. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleeks. And this is Book, Book of Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. So tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another low-down, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. Find us on your favorite podcast player or on Twitter at Book of Lies pod, on Instagram at Book of Lies podcast, and on Facebook at Book of Lies podcast. And if you want to send us an email, send us one at bookofliespodcast at gmail.com. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Rob Kacharek from the band 607, Autopilot Off, and Walking Distance, and you're listening to ODPH. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH, and we have to talk about Titans. Uh-huh. Now, we did the preview of the season last week. Yes. I did catch up on the premiere episode, yes. so I definitely am going to jump into spoilers. After I mention, we are going to have a guest blog on Parlay Points this week Ooh. from our good friend, the Path Daddy himself, Mike Paffy. He is a big Titans fan, okay. a young Justice fan. He wants to definitely write about it. So he is supposed to hit us up this week. So definitely check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com later this week for that because he has a lot of thoughts on the episode, as do I. So we're going to jump right into the episode, talking some spoilers. So we're giving you fair warning now in three, two, one. Okay. So this episode I thought was okay. Okay. 
I did like it, sure, but I like the ending. And what I want to refer to this is, I know, Pad, you have not seen the uh, past few episodes of Titans. No, admittedly, I've been uh, watching uh, The Last Kingdom on Netflix, which, amazing show, cannot recommend it enough. And I know they're coming out with season four, so I've been a little busy with that. Right. So, obviously, you said I could jump in and talk some spoilers, yes. so I'm definitely going to. Yes. So, at the end of last season, they left the big cliffhanger ending, yep. which... They had to deal with Trigon, who is Raven's dad, and yeah, you know yeah. the history of the Titans comics. Yeah. You know that he is the big bad, and they converted Dick Grayson to embrace his dark side, so he became possessed. Yep. And Rachel Raven sent out a you know psychic uh, SOS signal to everybody that was part of the Titans, so Hawk and Dove got it. Mm-hmm. And But when they show up at the house of Rachel's mother, they are blocked out, and everybody inside has basically been converted over to following Trigon, mm-hmm. which it, I thought that this should have been connected to the season finale more so. Sure. Because I thought the season finale was a little underwhelming. Yeah. And this, obviously, if they added this extra half hour to it, I thought it would have been perfect. Yeah. I mean, you see that oftentimes on a lot of things that, like, especially with TV shows where, like, you get the you get to the end of a season, you're like, I feel like there was something else that was just going to happen, like, as the scene faded to black. And then you get to the season premiere, you know, next in the, in the fall and go... Why didn't you throw that on the ending? It would have been a perfect ending. Well, I thought so more than the last, the actual ending was for last season. Sure. Like, last season was, okay, Dick Grayson embraced his dark side because he killed Batman. And you have to watch that whole episode to, to understand the whole point of view. But when they jump back in, and obviously everybody is slowly getting converted to Trigon's control mm-hmm. because they're embracing their their inner darkness. Right. And, I mean, you see everybody from Starfire to Wonder Girl going through different points where they're now, you know, obviously falling under Trigon's spell. And Trigon, I will say, though, debuted into his actual comics mm-hmm. uh, look. The CGI on it I thought was very good. Yeah. Because he is a demonic character. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a little scary. Yeah, so he they, they did a very good job with him, too. Right. And as they're embracing it. And obviously his whole thing was if I can destroy Raven and get her to convert to my side, I will conquer the world. Mm-hmm. The Raven is the only person who can stop Trigon. Yep. And he does this because he takes out her. It's eventually going to be the love interest, I'm fully convinced, of yeah, Beast Boy. Probably. And the whole Titans team, which is now entered into Rachel's mom's house, is Uh-oh. now all under the control. Like, they've all had this different scenario where they went to, like, this very odd reality. Okay. Where everything's flipped. And there's just, like, a, a different scenario that causes them mm. to embrace it. Like, you mm. see, like, a past scenario where, like, Hawk and Dove are, you know, dealing with their inner struggles. And, sure. and they c- sure. turn over. And I thought the one interesting point was when they showed Wonder Girl was reliving a past where her father was apparently killed in an arson. Oh, my. And she catches the guy who set fire to the place and throws him out a window. So then they do this kind of weird visual effect where you see, like, they all have, like, bleeding black eyes. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of this weird, like, visual they're trying to say. Yeah. It's like the yeah. inner darkness is coming yeah. through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll go with this. And, like, so everybody is doing this. But the only person that is not under that control is Beast Boy, who basically is getting just beaten by everybody and is considered Ow. left for dead. So at this point, Raven subsequently becomes under the control mm-hmm. because she's lost every the only thing she cares about. So when this is happening, Trigon is like walking out. And you can see it's almost like a pestilence effect. Sure. That he's walking out of the house and everything that he's turned around is like dying in front of him. Uh-oh. It's this weird visual that's happening. Rachel's mother is sitting there thinking, like, okay, everything's, you know, 
great. I'm now going to ascend to you know a different level. Mm-hmm. And Trigon kills her Uh-oh. right on spot. Nice. Which is just a weird scenario. And at this point, though, we are determining that Beast Boy is dead. Mm-hmm. But he's not. He actually turned himself into a snake. And then... You know, comes back to his human form and then connects with Rachel. Okay. And subsequently brings her out of the darkness. So once this happens, she goes and tries doing it with Dick Grayson mm-hmm. and does, like, taps into it. And there's kind of this weird montage of, you know, the different realities going on to eventually where she is at the circus that Dick Grayson's parents were yep. killed at. Yep. And she says, if I fall off the trapeze, I'm going to die for real. You are you going to let me die? Uh oh. And she, he goes. He's at the other end, and they go swinging towards each other. And she drops, and you just see her falling. And you're going like, um, all right, what's going to happen here? And then finally, you see a hand reach. Ah. So he got through. So at this point, the team is slowly coming out of it, and you're seeing that Rachel goes and confronts Trigon and just knocks him back into a different reality. So she has essentially. Killed him, but comics for now not buying anything about no. this. So this is where it's going to get interesting. So the team is now celebrating their win, and different characters are going different ways. Mm-hmm. So you see Hawk and Dove are going into a different direction. You see Starfire appears that she's going back to her home planet. Okay, or that's kind of the vibe that you're getting because her mission on Earth is essentially done. Well, so she's leaving. Yeah, they haven't. She's, really, le- she's leaving the zip code. Yeah, they haven't really clarified, but that was the only thing I was kind of taken from this. And also at this stage, Jason Todd is in the group now Okay. with them. And Dick has a plan that I don't know if this is going to pay off in the long run, but he's kind of feeling this sense of he needs purpose. So he takes Beast Boy, Raven, and Jason okay. out west. Uh Oh, I think I know where they're going. So as he's going out west... There is this moment where he catches up with Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. and they have a visit to mend the fences, so to speak. Sure. They have this big reconciliation moment. Let's say uh, a little bit of animosity between the two of them uh, during last season. Well, yeah, you can get that sense because it's always alluded that- a little awkward. That, yeah, that uh, Dick Grayson has got some damaged history, yeah. to put it mildly. I mean, anyone in that in the bad family has damaged history. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, so at this stage, though, you're seeing that Bruce and Dick have this great conversation, and he essentially says, I want to reopen Titan's Tower. Okay. And Bruce Wayne has a little connection to it, and he says, yeah, you can do that under one condition. Oh, well, there's always a, a hitch with Batman. Yes, and the hitch is you take Jason with you. So Jason is now under the tutelage of Dick Grayson. No pressure, kid. Yeah, which is a really interesting thing because of how Dick or Jason Todd is played on the show. Sure. Like I said, it's a weird scenario because when you see him in the in the comics, he's never this lighthearted. He's never, no. you know, like I said, he's, he's, dare I say, more Dick Grayson than actual Jason Todd. I mean, Kern Walters, who plays him, is doing a really good job at yeah. kind of flipping the switch. Yeah. Because as you see when they defeat Trigon, he jumps out in front of the camera and he's like, Titans are back. And it, <laughs> it's a funny moment. It, it almost reminds me of something Beast Boy would do in the original cartoon. Right. 
So as you see this you know, unfolding, you're going like, well, so right. he's not usually this lighthearted. Like he's he's got a mean streak to him. No, like I said, this is messing me up completely because I'm I'm so used to it. I mean, Jason Todd is showing the elements of Jason Todd. What if it's not Jason Todd? What if it's Trigon impersonating Jason Todd? That would be something, but I I don't think they're going that route. Yeah. I would uh, that would be a cool uh, switch though, yeah. Trigon, because I just how easily he was defeated. Yeah. Um, he's got a he's got a long game in play. He's definitely got a long game in play. But this is where it ties into another long game, so to speak, because mm-hmm. as we see, there is a gentleman who is at a convenience store, and he sees this video footage of Jason Todd yelling, "Titans are back!" <laughs> who is this character, you ask, Pat? Who is it? Deathstroke. Oh boy, Asaya Morales is playing him, and you see at this point, it looks like he's been out in the woods. Or out in seclusion, he's got a very scraggly beard. He like has kind of let himself go. Yeah, and he's, he's had se- no purpose. He sees Jason Todd on the screen, and then like the next thing you see, he's now clean cut, shaven, and getting back to work because apparently what we have not found out yet, and I'm dying to see where this is going. Yeah, there apparently is some unfinished business. Like apparently the contract that was out on the Titans. If you know anything about the character Deathstroke. Uh, the quick synopsis is he is basically if Captain America was evil, yeah, in the sense that he was just a paid mercenary. say when we say evil Captain America, we're not talking Hydra Cap. No, we're not talking Hydra Cap. No, 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 no. This is just basically if Captain America, Steve Rogers, with all his physical abilities, yeah, was just a paid assassin and one eightyed his morals. Yeah, and had a, he only has one moral code is to finish the contract. Yep. That is the one thing with Destro. Uh-huh. He holds his word. By any means necessary. Uh-huh. So now, apparently, thanks to Jason Todd, he is now awoken Slade Wilson. Yeah, which is never good. That is not the thing to do. I mean, granted, inadvertently, yeah. but still it happened. And as you see, Deathstroke is basically reaching out to his former employers and saying, I'm now coming back. Right. And at this stage, too, you have the final shot of the episode where they're entering Titan's Tower. Yeah. And you're seeing there was history there as they showed like this video montage of Robin, Wonder Girl, Hawk and Dove like turning around in like their own like costume chamber, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And as you're seeing this through Jason Todd's eyes and the other characters is like, you know, they have this sense of hope and like things are going to change and be different. And it's almost like you have no idea what you just awoken. Because now that the a threat of Wade Wilson is lurking, yeah, or Slade Wilson rather, I gotta remember it's Slade, not Wade, because <laughs> it's always a funny faux pas with Deadpool because he's supposed yeah. to be the anti Slade yeah. Deathstroke. A little history of comics right there, folks. It's always going to be interesting to see how this moment where like everybody seems like okay, we're going to be more than what we were, and we're going to you know be the team that we were always meant to be, and now that's going to go off the tracks really quick because the feeling I'm getting of the season is as they're adding more members, because we still haven't seen Superboy, who debuted at the end of the season finale. Right. I think I read something today that his story is going to pick up about mid-season. Okay. From what I read. That would that would make sense, because I think they're going to start diving into Deathstroke's family of the Ravager and Jericho, and that's going to get really interesting involving the Titans. And like I said, as long as they're following the source material mm-hmm. of Marvel and George Perez from that run, right? go crazy. I'm down for it. Yeah. I am I am here for that. Yeah. Because that is some iconic comics when you're talking about 
the new Teen Titans run they did way back when the Judas contract and, uh-huh. and those storylines. So overall, though, like I said, when Deathstroke and the meeting with Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson happened, it was about like the 15 minutes left in the episode. Oh, uh, okay. So that's why I said, like, if you added the Trigon thing to the end of season one yeah. and had everybody part, yeah, I think that would made for a stronger finale probably to season one and where it just adds some more things to season two. Because I do like the direction they're going in. Yeah. Like I said, the only thing I just, like, I couldn't stand it. I was just kind of going, like, you know, I'm just not, I'm not vibing on this whole Trigon thing. Right. And just, like, all of a sudden just, it seemed just too quick that Rachel could just go, okay, I'm just going to destroy Trigon yeah. and take it. Even though I do like it that she does have um, her one gem now. Okay. That she has in the Classic comics. look. Yeah, on her forehead there. That you know, they show Trigon, uh, and you have to see the episode to fully understand that, how he made her heart into the diamond and yeah but overall though titans finish strong of the episode not the best episode to start out the game sure. with, but definitely has me locked in for more episodes to come this season i say it sounds like they're setting up for a lot down the road yeah obviously if they're tying in deathstroke and then anytime you have superboy getting involved and in, it's the merging yeah. of the two yeah two timelines of like the strongest teams in my opinion yeah because when superboy was on the team and they did the reboot then I thought that that was probably the strongest Titans has been since the original uh, Wolfman and Perez run. Right. So in my opinion, that's just what I think of it. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go because anytime you deal with Cadmus and especially if they tie into that maybe Deathstroke was hired by Cadmus. Yeah. Who knows? But Could be. I'm interested to see where the season is going. So if you have seen Titans, hit me up on the social media, hashtag ODPH. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Like I said, I thought it was good, not great. But I think the potential for more down the road is what's going to hook me on to watch more episodes this season. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts on Titans Season 2, Episode 1? We definitely want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for segment number three on this edition of the ODPH. And speaking of Titans, Mm -hmm. we have to give a mention that this week is the one-year anniversary of the DC Universe. Happy birthday to you. So if you're not familiar with the DC Universe, we have mentioned this many times on the show, but a quick reminder that it is DC Comics' exclusive streaming service. Not to be confused with the multiverse of the DC Comics. Right. Or the online game, too. Yes. That this is... The project, when it came out, was unprecedented at the time, I would say. Oh, I didn't even think about the game. Good call. Thank you. Uh, This is one that when we first heard about it, you were going to be able to access the entire DC animated universe. Which is a good universe. Yeah, Batman the Animated Series was going to be in Blu-ray, I believe. Uh, Yep. Or a a different, higher quality. Yep, Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, I would presume Static Shock as well. Well, Underrated show, I would say. Uh, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Batman Beyond, I know I'm probably forgetting a few. Yeah, obviously, and you had access to the movies as well. Sure. And the comics, you were getting access to be able to read through there. Plus, they were doing original programming. Mm -hmm. So at the time when this came out, a lot of questions going on that I think for fans... It was really, okay, we're 
where should we go with this? Because unless right. you're a really super DC Comics fan, yeah. is this worth your money? Right. I mean, because the only thing comparable to it that we had to look at was the Marvel Unlimited uh, service, which was just, every, you know, you had access to their entire backlog of comics. And if I'm not mistaken, everything that was coming out afterwards as well. Yes. So at that point, when DC was announcing this, a lot of questions. Sure. But they did answer very quickly. Albeit, though, when they first started out, we had the first live-action trailer for Titans. Yeah. And that did not go over well. I would say, when when you want to start a new service, you want to hit the ground running. And, and I'm talking like Usain Bolt in the Olympics running. Not, mm. not like, you know, a, a young child learning to walk for the first time. You know, so yeah, you think back to when that first trailer came out, and you can even pull it up on YouTube. Not not exactly, and we've said it before on the show, not the best first look. No, definitely not the best first look. I mean, because everybody knows the infamous F Batman line. Uh-huh. And until you see that first episode, you really don't understand the gist of that. Right. Because honestly, in my opinion, it was a throwaway line. Right. And if you, even if you think back to the animated series they've done on Teen Titans, or even if you read the comics, it just seems so out of character for Robin to go, F Batman, and you go, wait, what? Well, you would think that maybe Jason Todd would say it. But, oh, Jason Todd would absolutely say it. Yeah, but you wouldn't think, okay, Dick Grayson would say that. I mean, yeah. like, it was just kind of like, what is going on here? Right. this really doesn't make any sense. And that was even something we brought up when we were kind of looking back at the trailer, that, like, at the time, it made no sense to us, because we were both sitting here going, wait, that's that's Dick Grayson, right? You know, the Boy Scout, the, the man who tries to be a better than Batman himself like he wouldn't say that yeah I wouldn't say it under any circumstance so at that point that was the first dabble that was coming into their live action universe and at that point we didn't weren't sure exactly what was going on because the CW had established yeah that they were doing their own well you know received universe with Arrow and the Flash and Legends of Tomorrow yeah so when the original lineup was announced Titans was the first one out of the gate Titans was very good. Like I said, it wasn't as great as I thought, but it did show flashes of brilliance throughout the season. Sure. But it was nothing against the actors. I mean, you take a look up and down the lineup of everybody that's been involved with the show. DC Universe has really spent a lot of time with their casting and really developing. When Anna Diapo on the Titans as Starfire was the breakout character, in my opinion. Yeah. And I've said this many times. Brendan Thwaites as Dick Grayson was a very good Dick Grayson. Yeah. Tegan Croft as uh, Raven. Ryan Potter as Beast Boy. I mean, the list goes on and on about who they've gotten involved in the show. Right. And just capturing what has already been established, too, especially from an animated series. Yeah. We've all known Teen Titans and Go Teen Titans, or Teen Titans Go, rather. Yeah. To see them come live One's on screen. One's better than the other. Oh, yes. But to see them come live on screen. And obviously, the direction they went in was a little more mature. Little, oh, yeah, more, yeah. I always say it was kind of like mix the, that book with Riverdale. I mean, it almost makes sense for what the Teen Titans comic is because Teen Titans, as a comic, you would think, oh, they're gearing towards kids, but not maybe necessarily. I would say it's it's more, as the name is in the title, teens kind of go that it's kind of that in between of like. You know, truth, justice in the American way with Superman and fighting for what is right to. Okay, now you're kind of in that. You're, you know, you're almost in between the the Superman and the and the Batman. We're like, okay, we're doing some good stuff, but there's also some ambiguity here, right? Because at the time too, we were weren't really sure what they were going to do. I mean, Titans right. does have a very loyal following. Yeah, very good rogues gallery. Yeah, but when we didn't hear anything about Deathstroke, it was going to be like, okay, who are they going to do for this? Right, and we didn't find out the big reveal until later in the season that it was going to be Trigon. So when that was going on, a lot of questions were getting answered. But one thing I thought they did do overall was establish that they are going to have a shared universe Mm -hmm. on the show. And one of the best shows that they have out right now, whether it's on the DC universe or not, 
is Doom Patrol. Right. And they did do the origin episode for Doom Patrol on Titans. And how that came to be showed the DC and what their vision was for this network was to take characters that you wouldn't think could make it on TV and make it happen. I mean, you could almost argue they're doing a better job at introducing characters better than the movies are. I'll say that right now. I think they are. Yeah. I think in, to explain it to a mainstream audience, they had a perfect setup episode for Doom Patrol. And then when Doom Patrol came out, especially they had a lot of well-known actors involved. Matt Bomber, Brendan yeah. Frazier, yeah. And, and Alan Tudyk, yeah. Timothy Dalton. Yeah. And Diana Guerrero, who absolutely stole the season. April Balby, too. Yeah. I, I mean... I mean, you you just look at the critical reception that a show like Doom Patrol has gotten, both both from journalists and fans alike. You know, it, when it when it first came out, I know journalists were raving about it and, and all that, and I know people who are just fans, like average people, were raving about it. Uh, you look at something like Batman, Superman, or Justice League, not quite the case. No, it definitely wasn't. But for Doom Patrol, it was such a gamble. Yeah, and especially for a brand new streaming service that. Coming out of the gate, you didn't have, like, you, you touched upon a little bit there, Pat. Yeah. You didn't have Batman. You didn't right. have Superman. You it's, did. it's almost something you want, like, with uh, the MCU right now, where, like, okay, you've got your main guys established. You've done your Iron Mans and your Thors and your Caps. Now you're going to introduce something like the Eternals, which, unless you're a diehard Marvel reader that's been reading for a number of decades, you're not entirely quite sure who they are. It, for these guys, it's almost something like you wait until a couple of years down the road. Right. So for them to come out and take the shot doing Doom Patrol and how well-received Doom Patrol was. Mm-hmm. And I'll be the first one to tell you, it is a must-watch show. I strongly say take a little break between binging it because there's a lot going on. <laughs> it's a very unique show. Yeah. It will probably really mess with your head a little bit. I've heard that from a couple people. Yeah. yeah, but it's so good. And just how they demonstrated this, definitely had a lot of success with that. Swamp Thing was the next one to come across as a live-action show. Mm -hmm. And obviously that had a lot more behind-the-scenes action going yeah. on. That, didn't, that was the first show to be canceled off the DC Universe. Right. But they came back strong, too, with Young Justice, taking the animated series mm -hmm. and bringing it back for a strong season three. It's a much-beloved uh, animated series. Absolutely. It's a great series. It's a great series. I know we haven't covered it enough on this show, but it is well worth the watch. Yeah. And definitely, I'm very excited to see season four come out because mm -hmm. I know they've already greenlit that. The only shows we know that are coming out that are going to be new on the DC Universe is the animated Harley Quinn. Yep. That is coming out very soon. And Stargirl is still on the, t uh, the table to come out, I believe. I think, yeah, last I heard, yeah. I haven't heard too much about no. that. No. I mean, that's the last one. Yeah, I, I feel like it, the only stuff I've heard is like it's gotten pushed back a couple of times, but that's just because they've announced like other things have been coming out and it just kind of pushes it back. Right, because when we first heard Titan Season 2 was coming, and right. granted, I thought one thing that was very interesting is last year, especially at New York Comic Con, when they announced the panel for Titans, mm. they immediately said season two has been greenlit. Right. This is before we've even seen an episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, that was even before that. But with the Stargirl thing, I've, if, and my memory's a little fuzzy on it, for, uh, just from reading some of the trades and, and online chatter about it, I want to say an announcements or kind of like news about it was in between Titans season one. And then Young Justice season three that like it came out that they were going to do it and that I, they were either in, in pre-production or even in production of it. They might be in production. I mean, we have heard some news about casting. Right. But it's been very quiet. And I'm actually surprised we haven't seen a trailer get leaked out. Yeah. Maybe that's getting waited for New York Comic Con. Could be. It would make sense to do it because I believe it was still slated to come out in December of this year. Right. Now that could have gotten pushed back. I haven't heard anything. Obviously, correct us if we're wrong on hashtag ODPH. But to see the live action come out, I mean, that was probably one of the biggest selling points for me to get the service. Right. Because I am a subscriber. 
The comics library, though, was another key factor. Sure. Because they have a vast history of DC Comics Online. And just recently, they've opened up the vault. Right. And it's one of those things that, like, you know, as a comic book reader such as yourself and myself, it's one of those things where, like, you know, there are some great runs from back in the day. I mean, you can look at Justice League, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, like anything in the DC universe, uh, the DC library that like they've got great runs. They've got great uh, overarching stories that like you like you just sit in there one day and you'd be like, you know, it'd be fun to read to go read like insert random storyline from 70s, 80s, whatever. But it, you just can't unless you want to go out there and, and get it but through other illegal means, which I don't recommend doing, you know. It's hard to oftentimes find uh, trade paperbacks of these issues because, let's be honest, it's been however many years since they've been published. Who's going to want to buy this? They're not going to, you know, the companies aren't going to waste the money reprinting them with the hopes that somebody down the line is going to go and purchase it. So it's a good move on their part for to put these on there and go, hey, you feel like reading, you know, some big storyline from Aquaman back in like the 80s? Ah, go ahead. You know, it's, it's all right here. Yeah, that's one big selling point, too, because especially for stuff that you don't have time to get down to your local comic shop and pick up. Right. That to really go in, you know, back issue diving, so to speak, yeah. and go grab. It, it's definitely a selling point, and I think it's something that they've really taken their time to do, and especially just recently, they have opened up the vault. Yeah. Everything from, like I believe, what, a year prior, yeah. if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. That is huge for them to do, and to see that to really be a selling point, I, th- I think is just right there alone. Right. But especially for every everybody who's a DC Comics fan, it's a must-watch. But for anybody who's not, they've given you enough reason to pick up the this, this service. And the service is still relatively affordable, too. Mm-hmm. Going into the next year, though, Pat, let mm-hmm. me ask you this. What would you like to see added to the service? Uh, new season of Batman Beyond. Okay. Like, I, I cannot emphasize. Like, I love Batman the Animated Series. Uh, I love... Uh, Superman the Animated Series. I wouldn't mind seeing another season of Superman the Animated Series. Um, But if I had to get another one just because I felt like it didn't get the time to breathe like Batman the Animated Series did and Superman the Animated Series did, uh, I want to say uh, Batman Beyond only got like two seasons or something like that. I would love to see, and I I know that they're coming out with the Blu-ray re-release and and the show's creators at San Diego Comic-Con a couple months back said that, hey, listen, if you want to make another season happen, purchasing the blu-ray re-release will show to the powers that be that there is uh, enough uh, interest for another season you know count myself among those folks that, because that was one of the shows that i remember it, it was coming on uh, back when i was in middle school and coming home from school and you had your usual shows that were on in the afternoon you know dragon ball z and, and all these other shows that was one that like okay it's it's whatever time it came on time for batman beyond let's see what he's doing today yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, the service is very good. I, I'm very happy with the service, especially now they're opening up more comics to check up on. Sure. Because there's a couple that I'm still trying to track down right. that I haven't really done a deep dive into the service to see if I can find them. Right. So to catch up on that, I think is going to be cool, especially re- going back and rereading Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, especially, a little important with what's coming down the line. Right, to just get a refresher because I'm you know, still going to try tracking that down in the comic shop because I do like owning physical copies too. Sure, sure. But it's just a matter of, okay, with time and convenience. And space. Yes, that's another key uh, space to issue. But nevertheless, to see that, I'd like to see that for the next season. For live action, though, I'm really interested to see what's going to be the future. Okay. Doom Patrol Season 2 has been greenlit, which, thank you. Yeah. That's all I can really say about that. Cause they, they deal with a fervor on their hands worse than, than the reaction to them canceling Swamp Thing. 
if they if they didn't do a season two of Doom Patrol. I know there was a lot of people online that were very vocal about uh, Swamp Thing season one getting canceled, and understandably so. But the fervor and the in the anger if they did not give Doom Patrol a season two would be like a thousand times worse. Yeah, absolutely. Well, especially because how well it was received, and especially the quality of the show to really bring those characters to life and have mm-hmm. them really stand out and something that you don't see on TV that much. Right. I mean, yeah. take the character of Crazy Jane, who has, what, 68 different personalities? Something like that. And how Diana Guerrero plays her yeah. is truly astonishing. Like, for me to watch and just every character you know is different, every yeah. every take she's doing is truly remarkable. Like, how she wasn't nominated for an Emmy, to, to my knowledge blows my mind but say, the, it almost reminds me of uh, the show that was on bbc i think what was it called mirror black black mirror black, so, mirror. black mirror where the where the main uh, actress there was playing like six or seven different uh personalities you you just add 60 more on top of that holy crap yeah and just how flawlessly that show came out i mean i'm very interested to see what the lineup is going to be yeah going into the next year because yeah. i'd like to see him take more original properties I would really like to see him do Constantine on there. Oh, that'd be good, yeah, because uh, last season they did on television, not good. Yeah, I think that Constantine is a show you could get away with on a streaming service. Yeah. And I think that that yeah. would be a perfect fit for it. If you if you can't do it on an HBO right. and you can't do it on a different network, because HBO is still having that relationship with the DC Universe, because mm-hmm. Doom Patrol Season 2 is going to be on HBO Max. Right. So that being said... To see them do Constantine on there, I think, would be a feather in the cap. Sure. I would like to see them do Batman Beyond, too. And I yeah. think, especially the reactions they've been getting at the panels. I know San Diego, there was a big panel for it. Yeah. And obviously, New York is having a huge one, too. Yeah. To see the reaction, I think the fans need to be very vocal about bringing that back. Right. And overall, though, the service has been very good. And as a DC Comics fan, I love it. Yeah. And it gives me enough content that I can really jump into it. There's always good fan forums. There's always ways to you know to really be a fan on there and just really jump into it for D- even DC Daily is just jumping in and catching up on the latest news going on. Mm-hmm. They give you so much with that for a DC Comics fan. It's something that I'm not doubting Marvel might kind of expand on down the road. Right. Possibly, but with Disney Plus it's going to be hard competition. Yeah. So I really want to see the DC Universe step up and really develop more shows on there that are, you know, the same quality of Doom Patrol, yeah. same obscure characters, so yeah. to speak. Like, I'm trying to think of one that would really work on there. Like, I've been petitioning for a Blue Beetle, Jaime, Raymet, Jaime Reyes. That'd be good. I'd like to see that happen. I, I would like to see them get to a point with the live-action shows so that you can go a couple of years, maybe, in between seasons of Titans and not really be like, oh, my God, I'm waiting for it. That, like, there's just so much good stuff coming out, and it's all mixed up that, like, there's no cycle to what comes out when that you don't know what's coming next and it's just good stuff all around yeah absolutely i mean they can pull that off and they do need to get on a couple more providers i to my knowledge they are still not on ps4 uh, i'm not entirely sure on that one i don't believe so i think Brad guy was trying to check that out and mm-hmm. he was saying no so they definitely need to get on a couple more services but they finally got an xbox and i am extremely happy about that right so moving forward the future season t- year two they have a bright future going. I'm just hoping they don't get absorbed into HBO Max. Right. Which I know is just kind of, you know, getting rumored around some of the chats. But honestly, I think that the DC Universe can stand up on its own and definitely progress forward. And I think that year two is going to be an exciting one for it. I'm excited to see what they're doing, especially Doom Patrol Season 2. So many good things coming out for year number two. The DC Universe is monthly $7.99 plus tax, and they do have the year plan for seventy four ninety nine plus tax, so definitely worth checking out. 
If you are interested in seeing the great programming that's on there, if you're interested in checking out the comics on there, all the DC Comics news that you can handle, so much to check out, but definitely let us know what you think about it, though. Hashtag ODPH. What is your overall thoughts on the DC Universe? It made it year one. It's going on year two. Where do you see it going, and what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? We definitely want to have that conversation. Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH pad. Kick us off with those one shots. Got a couple of video game things to talk about because the Tokyo Game Show is going on over in Japan right now. So that means we're getting a lot of trailer goodness. Uh, got a trailer today as we record for the upcoming Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, which got a release date of uh, March 3rd, 2020. Now, still no word if this is going to be episodic, as has been rumored. Or this will just be a full release. I'm leaning towards episodic because that's the thing we've been hearing about for the longest time. And I know some people are a little skeptical, but the thing that I've been hearing have been that, yes, it might be episodic, but each episode is going to be basically a game full game length as it is today so you're gonna get your money's worth out of that but the trailer came out and i just gotta say it looks gorgeous and better than the uh, movie they did a couple years ago with uh, advent children gotta double watch the video trailer again though because i swore i could have heard mark hamill's voice in it i thought it was yeah no, i legit thought it was yeah so definitely a lot of good stuff to check out with that it's from what we saw a little bit of gameplay in terms of like not cut scenes it does look like the uh fighting style is going to be borrowing that from the most recent iteration of Final Fantasy 15, which kind of uh, diverted from the traditional turn-based fighting system that Final Fantasy has been, been known for. You'll still be able, to, it looks like, to control other characters, but it looks like it's going to be free-flowing, free-moving, aka no turn-based. You can just basically run around and do what you want. That looks real interesting. The other one to look out for, and this is going to blow a lot of people's mind, uh, the upcoming game from Hideo Kojima, it's uh, starring Norman Reedus and a whole bunch of others. Uh, it has a trailer coming out for from Tokyo Game Show this year. The trailer is going to be 49 minutes long. What? Yeah. So if if for those who know video games and know Hideo Kojima, he is known for making long video games. Like there's tell of a uh, cutscene in one of the Metal Gear Solid games that I want to say is like an hour. Like, no joke. It's an hour long cutscene. So m- most times you hear of a video game trailer, it's like, Two minutes. Yeah. Three minutes. Shouldn't go more than five minutes. I'm sorry. It's forty nine minutes. Now no out of here. Yeah, so it's it's not out yet. No real guess of when it's coming out, but Tokyo Game Show is going on, so it will be in the next couple of days, so look out for that one. Uh, also got the f- first look trailer for the upcoming Kingdom Hearts DLC Remind. Uh, like I speculated last week, it looks like that some of the what's going to be happening is during the battles that take place at the end of the game. But as many questions get answered, I get more brought up because yeah, they show you know characters that are fighting in the end of the video game, but things look a little different. They don't look quite how they should. So definitely going to have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, they didn't give a firm release date, just that it is coming out uh, in the winter. 
Also coming out this week, and this is near and dear to my heart that I am very excited for, coming out on uh, Thursday night, Friday morning, however you want to look at it, Borderlands 3. How excited. Oh, I'm so excited. From Gearbox Software and the folks at 2K, they originated the looter shooter uh, genre. Like, I know Destiny, looter shooter, and there's other ones out there. Borderlands did it first, and, and they just they they set the standard for it. Because there, there's something about it where it's just completely outrageous where borderlands 2 there's a mission that sticks out where you go up because there's main quests and there's side quests and there's time quests you there's a side quest in borderlands 2 where there's a guy called shooty mcshoot face and he wants you to shoot him in the face that's the side quest it it doesn't take itself seriously it's a lot of it's a ton of fun you know there's an entire side quest in borderlands 2 where you go to find you go to deliver a pizza in a sewer system for a couple of rats in there, or excuse me, a couple of turtles in their rat. Uh, obviously, a nod to Teenage Mutant. Yeah, Ninja I was going to say that was TMNT reference. Yeah, right? there's a there's another side quest where you go to find Rackman, aka Batman. You know, there's a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of uh, stuff in there. That's just it's a fun nod and a fun poke. It, it, uh, pop culture and stuff like that coming out like i said coming out this thursday friday i'm picking it up i'm very excited for it ign came out with their review and gave it a nine out of ten saying uh quote amazing borderlands 3 sticks to its guns and outdoes itself with an amazing arsenal of weapons humor and missions close quote which makes me very excited because you know the the primal the primal uh arch enemy in borderlands 1 2 and the pre-sequel was handsome jack one of the funniest uh, villains in video game history, in my opinion, just absolutely hilarious. Look up compilation videos on YouTube. I cannot recommend it enough. But if you're into video games and you're into Borderlands, coming out this Friday, Borderlands Three. Man, that sounds exciting. Oh, I cannot wait. I Borderlands has always been a unique game to me. Uh huh. I don't know how to exactly describe it other yeah. than it just is like, okay, this is what Mad Max would be mm-hmm. in video game form, pretty much. And it works. I mean, I can't say anything bad about it though. Right. It definitely does. So, Pad, we had some late-breaking news. Yes, we did. That I want to jump into for my first one shot. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've listened to the show in the past, and I thank you if you have, I have talked about how Valiant is making a shared universe, cinematic universe. Don't sleep on them. They have a lot of great characters coming out. The Vin Diesel Bloodshot movie is coming. Mm-hmm. And then we had some news break concerning Valiant at the movies. Yeah. Pad, you want to take this? So this comes courtesy of uh, Boris Kitt over at the Heat Vision portion of Hollywood Reporter. This is an exclusive to Hollywood Reporter. The headline reads, Paramount picks up comic book movie Harbinger from Sony. Uh, The article reads, Harbinger, the the adaptation of a superhero comic published by Valiant Entertainment, has been scooped up by Paramount from its initial home, Sony Entertainment. Uh, The the article basically goes on to say that the project was to have shot this summer or fall and had actors Dylan O'Brien and Noah Centino circling but is no longer on the fast track, say sources. The plan is to have Harbinger undergo a short development process at Paramount before moving forward with the same creative team. Uh, And this move has several potential repercussions. First, Valiant is a notable publisher of comics not gobbled up by a media corporation, but now owned by DMG Entertainment, which fully acquired the comic publisher in January 2018 after having an initial stake. It stands apart from other indie companies such as Image or Boom in that it maintains and continually expands a cohesive narrative across its titles like Marvel and DC. Uh, With designs of building its own cinematic universe, a VCU if one will, the company was already hitching 
hitching its wagon to Sony, where it set up several of its titles, including Bloodshot. The latter is Valiant's first produced movie and stars Vin Diesel. Sony is hoping it launches a franchise when it opens February 21st, 2020. Harbinger was to was to have been the second title to go, also a potential franchise starter, and Marvel Studios like was to have connected with Bloodshot for a cinematic universe and even led to a crossover event titled Harbinger Wars after the 2013 comic book series of the same name. That crossover is now unlikely to happen and neither is a VCU with those characters. With the Paramount deal, Valiant now finds itself in a similar situation to Marvel 1990s Marvel with licensed characters at more than one studio, and it could, down the line, even find itself in a similar scenario of a Spider-Man-style divorce battle, close quote. I'm disappointed by this news. I think a lot of people are. Yeah, Harbinger, if, if you're not familiar with it, the easiest way I can describe it, it's it has a Gen 13 vibe mixed in right. with the X-Men. like. They're a group of teens that are fighting back from this corporation who's trying to basically create their super-powered army. Mm -hmm. And it's always been a a staple of Valiant. Sure. So to see this go to a different direction, I don't think the bloodshot not being tied in with them is going to hurt as much, per se. Yeah. But I think when you want to start doing programs down the road... Mm then I think that's when it's going to get kind of messy. I'll say the article does say uh, Project Insiders, however, say, however, that Bloodshot is less integral to the VCU than, say, Spider-Man, with the company focused on keeping together its core characters such as XO, Manowar, Eternal Warrior, and Archer and Armstrong, who re- whose rights it retains. See, I, and I, I agree with that, too. Knowing that universe, Bloodshot is kind of like on the fringe, so sure. to speak. Outside of them, I mean, that one's going to tie heavily with Rye or Ray when that comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, it's Rye. I'm sorry. See, I'm getting all amped up talking about this. This is where Valiant, I think, is going to be okay, but I'm just disappointed they're not going to have that option because right. I think Vin Diesel coming, even for like a cameo sure. at the end of Harbinger, would have sure. been something. It, it's also surprising that this happened given what just happened with the Spider Man breakup and, and just how vocal the internet is. I mean, we talked about it when it was going down that. In the United States, like seven of the ten trending topics on in the United States on Twitter were Spider-Man related. Yeah, that like you know as as vocal as people were about this and how much they hated it, that the same th- type thing would happen. Yeah, I mean to a lesser degree because I mean the Valiant is not up there with Marvel and DC, right? But, but but in terms of like not being able to use all their characters in a in a movie. Yeah, exactly. Which I mean, it's a it's a weird line to walk. Yeah, to say the least. But I think as long as they have Exo Man of War still there, they have Eternal Warrior, Archer, and Armstrong. They still have their key components that are involved in the Valiant Cinematic Universe. Wow, sure. that's kind of weird saying, but still, they'll they'll be okay. Bloodshot would have been a great addition, mm. and like I say, you have a big star like Vin Diesel who's going to yeah. be kicking off your your cinematic universe per se. Yeah, you want to kind of connect them there. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense to me. So. I don't know. Kind of wait and see on that. I will be interested to see, though, how they pull off Harbinger. Yeah. I am very interested in that one. Bloodshot, yeah. though, coming out next year, though, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Surprised we haven't seen, like, some promotional artwork yet or yeah. poster or something. Maybe NYCC. Just saying. Maybe. Maybe. Hopefully. Under the Radar 2, we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week. Watchmen now has a debut date on HBO. Okay. It's going to be on October 20th. Okay. At 9 p.m. on HBO. so Just about a month away. Yeah, just about a month away. Really kind of still more interested in than the movie or the show than I was. I would argue there's more pressure on this than there was for the final season of Game of Thrones. Yeah. 
Just uh, just because the final season of Game of Thrones, we didn't really know what we were going to get because, well, Game of Thrones, the books haven't finished yet. I mean, we're sitting here in in the middle of September in 2019. If you're listening to this in, in the future and listening to back episodes, uh, we still haven't gotten the final two Game of Thrones books, so we didn't know how it was going to end. So there's no, you know anticipation of oh i hope we see x y and z and a b and c so like there was you know there was really nothing to go against this it's kind of like okay there's there's high expectations with this absolutely the classic story that alan moore has created that really changed the way we look at superheroes Mm -hmm. has to be held with delicate hands yeah and you can't go in there and take it in a different direction that that doesn't feel right yeah it doesn't doesn't come across to the readers yeah as something that matches that quality yeah so obviously we're gonna have to kind of watch this series and see how it plays out doomsday clock though has been very good so i mean it shows it can be done with the comic series that's been Mm -hmm. out by dc yeah so the show has got a lot of high expectations it definitely has to meet them though otherwise if it's let's say it misses the mark completely right social media is going to be an ugly place that I, day. I mean and you bring up doomsday clock i mean i know we talked about this coming out of new york comic-con last year but that doomsday clock and, and just how well that's been received i think just kind of goes back to the creative the creative folks behind that and just how much time they took with it i mean we were we were at the panel last year where they said that they spent a, a on the phone conversation or skype conversation whatever it was for like what an hour and a half on one panel yeah that like they were taking their time with this i mean they've delayed books however many times just to get things right because they know the weight that is carried with bringing the watchman into this story yeah absolutely jeff johns and gary frank have been taking their time and and it's been well worth it yeah uh i'm not sure how it's going to end i don't think anybody knows no, so but I know it's coming up very quickly though. Yeah. So stay tuned for that because we'll definitely have to break that down. And like I said, October twentieth, HBO. We will, we will definitely be reviewing that episode. Yeah. Trust me on that yeah. one. So comic book picks of the week. Uh, obviously, Marvel Powers of X yep. number four. Yep. That's in the shops. DC has a strong week too. Uh, Batman seventy eight is out too. Uh-oh. So I have to recommend that. And they also are doing the collected version of Batman Damned, Ooh. which is been a very good series so i definitely recommend checking that out if you got the time to i mean so many good things definitely hit your local comic book shops give them some support definitely is a great time to go down there and you never know you can definitely get hooked on a new book and i can just give a shout out to dc comics in the year of the villain uh, thing they've been doing especially with the batman who laughs and just the, the people he's been in quote-unquote infecting mm-hmm. uh with the storylines just you know i'm not actively picking up the comics and actively reading them but i'll see an article every now and then and i just love what they're doing Oh yeah, no, they've been really taking their time, and I mean, so they're they're not like and like we said with the first segment and the X Men, you know, uh, House of X issue four, and like it wasn't a slouch B list C list team. This isn't B list or C list uh, heroes that they are infecting. No, this is a big big event that they're building. Yeah, towards. I mean, they infected. Spoiler alert: Shazam, Hawkman, and Supergirl. Yeah. They are not messing around with the character of the Batman no. who laughs, and I just hate the name though. Yeah, it just it's they got to think of something else for it. I mean, they just came out with a new name for uh, Tim Drake, yep. Robin as yep. Drake. So well, anything is possible. So, yeah. but no, they've been really doing some good work, and I know Marvel is catching up too. Yeah, their comic line has definitely improved, and especially the incoming event, which is we'll talk about next episode. Yeah, I don't have a lot of information just yet, so I don't want to deep dive into it. So definitely have some good books coming up. Yeah, and if you're a Star Wars fan, I, I got to recommend you go find an issue of the most recent issue, uh, Age of Resistance, that came out with uh, about Supreme Leader Snoke. Uh, just a little bit of a teaser, slight spoiler. He takes Kylo Ren to Dagobah. That's all I'm going to say. 
Wow. Yeah. Uh, I tried to pick up an issue uh, at a local comic book shop on Saturday when I picked up uh, House of X issue four. There was not an issue, a copy to be found. Understandably so. Yeah. Definitely understandably yeah. so. So many good books out right now. Mm-hmm. So many good books. Well, before we close out the episode, we do have to give a couple quick plugs. Sure. The promo you heard earlier in the episode is that of the Book of Lies podcast. Two sisters talking frauds, fakes, and phonies who lie, lie, lie. You can find out more information about them on bookoflliespodcast.com. And if you heard the sports show yesterday, we definitely threw in the plug for Nerdy Bitches Uh podcast. Two geekly ladies podcasting their way through pop culture. More information about them on nerdybitches.com. And we also have to give two quick shout-outs to One Movie Punch. We're going to be back featured on their episode this coming Friday. Shout out to One Movie Punch. Love that podcast. And we are featured actually on the Online Warriors episode that dropped today. Ooh. So definitely shout out to Online Warriors. Shout out to the whole hashtag Pottern family, hashtag Next Wave podcast, uh, Wonder Soul, So Wizard, everybody in that group too. Uh, Pina Comics, for your reference, Colby told me. I can keep going, so I'm, I'm just going to say shout out to everybody we interact with on Twitter. If you're not following the ODPH on Twitter, I highly recommend starting at OD Parlay Hour. So shout out to everybody in the Potter family supporting us. And shout out to Floodlands, whose music you heard of their previous band on this episode, uh-huh. that of Crimson Brethren. But Floodlands has a new album coming out September 21st, Sia Sarin. They're trying to get into the studio here to do a little preview episode for everybody. So I think they're banging down the front door right now. Yeah, absolutely. I would not doubt Jimmy and Billy are trying to kick in the door. Uh, we're trying to get a scheduling issue worked out, so hopefully we pull that off because I definitely want to talk to those guys about the new album coming out. They're going to be playing at Galaxy Brewing Company on Friday night, September 27th. The lineup has finally been set. Floodlands, shout at the robots. Brian and Hearse are all going to be playing down there. We've been posting information all over our social media accounts, so definitely have more information in the next couple days, too. The Facebook page link will be up. And definitely for more information about Floodlands, Floodlands uh, social media on Facebook, definitely go check that out. Or just check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com because we have them and all the music you hear on the show under the music section. You have the Parlay Points, all the blogs. Hashtag 607 podcast. Shout out to 3FN, 3 Fat Nerds. Shout out to Horror Zone 607. There's so much information on that website. You need, need, need to subscribe and go check it out. And that's all we got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 